everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a mom of two. My daughter Olivia is just about to turn 13. My daughter Eva is 10 going on 11. I'm a teacher. I currently teach kindergarten, but I've had a a whole range of experiences in my 19-year career. I'm also a freelance magazine writer. I blog at This Mom Loves, and now I'm a podcaster as well, and I am so thrilled to have you here with me. Today on the show, I'm going to be sharing two book recommendations. I'm going to be sharing tips in the lifestyle segment on ways to be more productive. And I have an interview with a very special guest, Farah Nasser. She is um, a co-anchor of the Global News Hour from Toronto. And she also is now the anchor of Global News at Noon as well. And you're definitely not not going to want to miss our chat later on. So stay tuned for that. To kick things off with favorite things, of course, there are always books, 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 books that I love to recommend. So the first one is a suspense novel, like the ones I I often share with you, and it's called Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. Now, if you have already read this, or if you take my recommendation and you read it, please reach out to me and tell me if you can explain the ending. So I'll start with the beginning. The way the book starts is, my name is Amber Reynolds. There are three things you should know about me. One, I'm in a coma. Two, my husband doesn't love me anymore. Three, sometimes I lie. So Amber wakes up, she finds herself in a coma, she's paralyzed, but she can hear what's going on around her. So she's hearing everybody coming in and out of her hospital room. We're also getting, you know, some of her backstory. There's a set of diary entries kind of going along with present day that's giving us more backstory as well. Other characters getting involved. Her sister is involved. Does her husband love her? Does he not? What's going on there? Lots of twists. The end is so twisted, and that's where I need people to reach out and tell me, because, and I don't want to say anything right now and spoil it for those who haven't read it yet, but it left me really thinking, what? Okay, I don't get it. What What am I supposed to take from this? So definitely twisty, turny. If you want to be able to follow what's going on every step of the way, this might not be the book for you because I really had to pay attention and try to get get what was going on and what we were supposed to believe and not supposed to believe. It's the perfect example of the, the unreliable narrator when uh, the character says right from the beginning, sometimes I lie. So you're not sure when is she lying, even to the reader, what's going on here. Fascinating book. So I would, I would recommend reading that one. So Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. But please do... Um, reach out. I'll give my uh, social media information a little bit later in the show and let me know if you have read it and, uh, and what you think of the ending. And if you can explain it for me, that would be lovely. The other book I want to recommend this week is The Tattooist of Auschwitz. So I'm sure you've heard of it already if you haven't read it. Bestseller, internationally, New York, New York Times. So it's based on a true story. So the story of, um, of Leo Sokolov, a Jew who was taken to the concentration camps at Auschwitz. So as an older person, he ended up talking to this author and recalling everything that happened when he was there. So we know that he was there. We know he ended up becoming the tattooist, mainly because of all the languages he could speak. They, they put him to work doing that. So he had to tattoo numbers onto all of the new people who arrived. There ends up being a love story, which is also true. He put a tattoo on a woman who arrived. They fell in love. Um, things go on while they're there. Um, they're there at the concentration camp. But it actually ended up being a little bit controversial because... Some people were critiquing the information. Now, the author said right from the beginning that it is a novel. 
based on true events. So she has certainly fictionalized little pieces, admitted to that right up front. But some people like Auschwitz historians, people who've studied the Holocaust, have taken issue with some of the inconsistencies in the story. And I thought it was interesting. There was a piece on it in the New York Times. I'm just going to call up the part I found interesting. So this author of this piece in the Times wrote, every author who turns fact into fiction must find a way to compress time, to admit omit events that don't advance the story, and to be economical with the number of characters. They must also solve tricky problems that are peculiar to the story. And for many, Morris's choices have created a compelling and uplifting tale. But the history in historical fiction still matters, from small personal details to larger complexities that may make a tale more murky. So, for example, um, some things I can let go. Like I know when I read a criticism of the book, it said, you know, um, this block building, they couldn't have gone to this block for this task because that block was only used for this. Block four would be the one that they, that sort of thing. I feel like that's kind of nitpicking. But there was a part where a prisoner recounts a medical experiment that was done to him. Very disturbing. And I found out in this critique that was written that that was not an experiment that was ever really done at Auschwitz, at the concentration camp. So that was kind of, it could um, misinform the reader in terms of information about what went on there at Auschwitz. So there's kind of, um, you know, small little details. And then that was something a little bit bigger. The fact that um, the number that was tattooed on the woman, the, the number that they give throughout the book wasn't actually her number which is just kind of interesting because the husband lived with his wife all his life and would have known what number she still had tattooed on her, although she did have it removed at one point. But so some of those little things, I don't think it takes away from the story. If you're reading it strictly as a novel, strictly as fiction, really fascinating, interesting, compelling read. If you're looking at it like a textbook, you probably better not because there are some some inconsistencies. But again, the author said right up front that it was a novel. Um and wasn't guaranteeing that everything was correct. The other thing is she was going by the memories of a senior citizen who was recalling this whole traumatic experience from decades earlier. So it's not even necessarily that she made some things up. It might be the information that she was given. But still, either way, especially when books are controversial like this, I, I do recommend that you read it. So that is um, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And the name of the author is Heather Morris. If you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves, and I am on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. Please do reach out, follow. I follow back as many people as I can. Um, let me know that you've listened to the podcast. It always makes my day when someone sends me a tweet or, or even just a, a private message just to say, oh, I listened to this episode. I'm going to read that book you recommended, or I did read Sometimes I Lie, and here's what I think the ending means. Um, or even when you want to, uh, to tweet me or message me tag the um, the guests that I've had on if you found them interesting I know they they appreciate that as well so next up in the lifestyle segment let's talk about a few ways to be more productive so I wrote a blog post about this at one point and I will include the link to that in the show notes for today's episode but for now I'm going to share some of the tips with you so I am definitely a productive person and there are many things that I am not good at so I'm totally willing to be upfront about a lot of things for example no interest really in cooking 
any sort of team sport that requires good coordination, not so much, especially any kind of visual spatial thing. Um, not the life of the party. I'm not the kind of person where you're going to say, oh my gosh, she's so fun. No, because I'm the first one to leave and want to go home to bed. So that's all right. Um, I don't like being outdoors in the winter. There are a whole lot of things that I know are probably considered faults or flaws. But I will tell you when I do feel that I'm good at something and that is being productive. So I do get a lot done. I am a full-time teacher and I have these uh, these side hustle gigs that kind of are all under the, the This Mom Loves umbrella. And of course, you know, I've got a marriage, I'm raising kids, friends, family, all those sorts of things that uh, that keep life busy. But I managed to get a lot done. So my first tip, and it's simple, do it now. So I know nobody wants to hear, don't put off for tomorrow what you could do today, but honestly, do it right away. I know Gretchen Rubin, an author who I love, who writes about happiness and and researches um, habits and things like that, goes with the one minute rule. If you can do it in one minute, do it now. So go through the mail, recycle what needs to be recycled, put things that need to be dealt with in a pile, done. Um... If you can RSVP to a party, if you can pay the bill right away. My girls, when they come home from school, they leave their agendas open on the counter so I can come in, see the papers, initial them, do any paperwork. Like if there's a permission form or something like that, I do it immediately when I get in the door and then again, finished. I do a load of laundry almost every day. I don't want to wait for a whole laundry day. As soon as the basket's full, I toss it in. If there's an email or a text that you can reply to right away, do it. People seem to be really good with text, but emails seem just that little bit more cumbersome. Again, I email right away if I can. Sometimes I have to think about something or I have to complete a document and attach it. So of course that's different, but try to just email back right away whenever possible. I do strive for inbox zero. And I think I've talked on the show before about how time management experts have different opinions about that. But for me, I use my email inbox sort of as a to-do list. So if it's still there, it means I need to take action in some way or another. If not, it's filed away and I know where to find it. And I know one expert um, whose advice I recently read said they don't even believe in complicated email file systems. And I know, for example, my husband with his work, he's got all sorts of different files and subfiles and folders and everything within his email. But basically they say if you just archive it, so it's somewhere, you can always use the search function and that can help you find the email that you need just as easily. But I know some people like to be able to go through a whole category, like they want to go back to their blog folder and look through it or their income tax email folder as opposed to just searching. So I still like having folders for uh, for my stuff, but I deal with things right away. I reply or I file immediately where it needs to go. Next tip is to say no. And over the years, I've gotten much better at this. So I mean, there are some things that are true obligations. I mean, if your boss asks you to to finish a project or there's some, you know, really milestone family or friend event, you can't just say you don't feel like it. But there are a lot of things you don't have to do. So I don't sign up for workout classes or any other sort of adult extracurricular things because I don't want something scheduled in my free time. My girls have their music lessons and things that they do. So obviously there are some things on the calendar that, that I do more for them than for me. But I like to be able to exercise. I use my treadmill. I do it on my own time. Or, or as you might have heard me talk about on a previous episode, I also like to do some walking at lunch at school. But I don't commit to things. Um, even book club or things like that. If I can't make the meeting because there's something else on or I'm run down or any other reason, I don't feel guilt. I don't feel this huge sense of obligation because I know I'm, I'm trying to look out for, look out for myself and, and I need to keep healthy for the sake of my family and my students. And I know I was even asked to take on a leadership role on a committee and I said no. And I actually had to say no to a priest to, 
<laughs> to decline that role. But again, I knew that um, that I didn't, I wasn't able to give the time for that. So in order to be productive in other areas of life, you've got to say no to the things that you can't do. Next tip is don't waste time trying to be perfect. So you may have to delegate and accept that certain tasks might not be done the way you want them to be done. So for example, with my kids, they make their beds. Do they make their beds perfectly the way I would want my bed made? No, but really I know nobody is seeing them on a daily basis for the most part. So those are the sorts of things that, that I can let go. And if you can't let go, if it's not something you can delegate and give to somebody and feel confident about that, don't because you'll stress yourself, stress yourself out even more but sit down and look at all of the things you do should your partner be taking on more of a role is there a co-worker who's really not doing their share or who you're not giving a share to sometimes we do that with with husbands right when uh, we don't really give them certain tasks because we want to do it and want to do it right but then you can't really complain about how much you have to do yourself so look and see what can you delegate with my girls, they do a lot of a lot of housework, a lot of things, um, a lot of chores and that sort of thing. Make their own lunches. I've talked about on the show. Some people are aghast at the fact that uh, that I don't pack my children's lunches with love and tender care. But nope, they pack their own lunches. So what can you delegate? And. In terms of trying to be perfect, I know I see a lot of teachers, especially doing things it looks like for the sake of Instagram or Pinterest. So if you love having like an educational Instagram account and making all your little provocations look beautiful with the matching containers and the beautiful signs and whatever, if that's fun for you and that's kind of a side hobby, fantastic. If you're doing that for the students, step back and think about whether you could be more productive, whether they're getting as much out of the picture perfect opportunities as they would be about you just putting the mismatched things out and maybe not having the beautiful sign for the photo. Um, even like the schoolwork that you take home, just think, do I need, is this something that needs to be marked? Is this something that I need to do now? Whatever you can do to, to ease your load and be more productive. Always think about the return on investment. And I've gotten a lot better at that over the years too. I'm sure that would apply in a lot of different careers, but in teaching, especially there are a lot of people I think who create a lot of busy work for themselves, make a lot of work. And it's always about what are the kids going to get out of this? The learning opportunities for the kids is it worth the time that you're investing? You know, like the two hours to cut out whatever it is you're cutting out, are they going to get the learning experience out of it that's worth two hours of your time? Next step, nobody would be surprised that I recommend to be a planner. So I still actually use a paper agenda. And this year I bought one of those fancy ones from a you know, a, a blogger online who, who sells products for organization. It was a lot more expensive than usual. And you know what I found? It's a beautiful book and I love it. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but there are tons of extra pages for each month, all the goal setting and special numbers and lists and, and that sort of thing. I really don't use them. So I think I will go back to a simpler date book for next year. I like to have a week at a glance laid out. And the reason I haven't switched to electronic yet is because I like my my week at a glance. I like having each day laid out there, but also the to-dos for each day that aren't associated to certain times. And I know you can have a separate to-do list on your phone, but I kind of like the to-dos for each day. And then I kind of have a weekly to-do where whenever I have time, like, oh yeah, I want to book the oil change. Oh yeah, I need to make the appointment with the, the guy to come and repair the treadmill. That's to do this week. And so I'm just not sure visually quite yet how to set that up on my phone. So I'm still sticking to my, my paper calendar. 
And I was thinking today about the system that I use. When I get to work in the morning, I'll look at today. So what do I need to remember for today? This meeting that I have, a parent interview, what's the thing that I need to submit? And then once I know I'm good there, then I can kind of look ahead to the next day. What can I get ahead on? What can I get ahead on? And look to the weekly to-do list. So today I looked ahead and thought, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to my niece's confirmation on Sunday. So I'm going to make sure to pick up the card, make sure I've got the, the gift to go with it. It could have been done any time this week, but whenever I've got time, I look ahead to that. So always kind of with an eye for what's coming up to make sure that you, that you keep organized. I keep a computer-generated grocery list that actually has things organized, and it was by, in order of the aisles where we used to go in and shop for our groceries, now I'm really, really big on click and collect, but it still helps to have things organized by category. But before, it was done kind of by the aisles. So when I would send my husband to get groceries, he could just go up and down the aisle, and we would check things off as we needed them, and then there were a few blank spots to add in things that weren't regular staples. So again, you can be more productive like that when you're really efficient with your time. Another really great tip, and I know it's not um, feasible for everyone, spend when you can. So we have an amazing house cleaner. She comes in two hours a week, that's it. But she covers a lot of things like the floors, where it's really, really hard to do, you know, if you want to do a thorough cleaning of the hardwood in the main floor of our house, because somebody has to walk across it. It's hard when we're home in the evenings and weekends. So I love that she looks after that stuff for us. It's a, it's a great investment for me. Again, the click and collect shopping, even when we do it at peak hours, five bucks for the shop. And I always argue that if I took two kids into the grocery store, we would be picking up more than $5 worth of impulse buys. And it's definitely worth you know, $5 worth of my time for, uh, for someone else to get those groceries. So I appreciate that as well. And another tip, multitask and do it properly. So a lot of people now say multitasking doesn't work and you shouldn't do it, but I, I do a lot of multitasking. For example, I have a treadmill desk so I can be getting my workout in while also writing a blog post, catching up on emails, that sort of thing. And while they say you can't multitask, I do find I can walk and type at the same time. Maybe I could be doing each thing faster if I did it on its own, but I'm not sure that I really could. When I'm going to sit at my daughter's lessons, anything that I don't need to be engaged in, I always take work with me or even a book to read. It's not like I'm always, you know, like a taskmaster, even for some of my own relaxation. I like being able to to multitask that way and have something to do um, when I'm waiting. And the last tip is to be productive is just to take care of yourself because you can't keep on top of things and get everything done if you're not taking care of yourself. Sleep is a huge priority for me. I always talk about how my book club laughs at me because I'm the first one out the door because I still, even though it's weekend, I still want to get home and make sure uh, I get my sleep. And I know it drives my husband crazy sometimes too, but I love reading. I love my books and magazines. I love the hot tub. I love the bath. I love going out for meals, restaurant meals, even just fast food. I find I enjoy because I'm not, uh, I'm not having to cook it. And I also like doing some travel, although I have to say coming back from Cuba and having our flight delayed 15 hours and flying through the night, that was not R&R. I feel like the, the, the relaxation of the trip was kind of undone by having to be up all night through the night. And I know that's, uh, that's what got me sick after I got home, but some kinds of travel can be nice and relaxing and just downtime. 
making sure that you're not overscheduled, making sure your kids aren't overscheduled, I think is something really important too, just to make sure that everybody's got that time to unwind. Um, just last night, we didn't have any lessons, any extracurriculars. My husband actually made it home really early from work. I think we sat down and had dinner at five o'clock. So by six o'clock, we were into the free part of the evening and it was just amazing. The night seemed to stretch on before us and I could have a bath and do some reading and catch up on some emails, finish up a blog post, that sort of thing. Um, just because I, I know it's important to have that time to take care of yourself. And I know that being productive is not the most important thing in the world, but lives are busy these days. There's so much to get done. So hopefully some of these tips can, uh, can help you be a little bit more productive in your life. Just before I introduce my wonderful guest here on the podcast today, I do want to let you know that when we recorded our interview, the microphone did pick up a little bit of a clicking noise at her end. It definitely improves as the interview progresses and my editor uh, worked as magic as much as he could, but you definitely will notice a bit of a clicking sound. I hope you will, uh, will bear with it because she has a lot of incredible information to share. Thank you. I am so excited to welcome my special guest today, Farah Nasser. Farah is a news anchor on Global News Hour at 5.30 and Global News at Noon out of Toronto, and she's also a mom of two. Welcome to the show today, Farah. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me on. So when we last chatted, it was July 2015. You were expecting your daughter, and you had just started your position on Global News Hour. How have things changed for you since then? It's so funny. I, after we spoke, it was very soon after we spoke, um, I went to, to the doctor to get a checkup and it, it turned out that my umbilical uh, fluid was leaking. So I was on bed rest. So I was planning to work till the end of my pregnancy, but uh, I had to take off in, I believe it was early August. So I did that. And then my daughter was born in October and I was back to work in January. And it's been uh, a really incredible journey being uh, a mom and being a news anchor, uh, there's been quite a bit of balance involved, uh, but mm -hmm. I think it gives you a different, I guess, a, di a different type of compassion for some of the stories that you cover that I definitely, um, you know, might have missed earlier you know, before I had kids. And you're now anchoring Global News at noon as well, which is new for you. So what does a, a typical day in your life look like now? Well, it's, it's a bit busier. So um, I still wake up uh, pretty early now, a little bit earlier, and um, my kids are up at six anyway, but I go through, you know, the papers, go through social media, find out what the big stories are um, and get some analysis when I can to find out what, what the day is going to look like and then uh, get the kids ready, get them breakfast, head out the door, uh, drop them to school. As soon as I drop them to school, it's about nine o'clock and I jump on a conference call uh, and just get the day set up with my team, um, get in and start looking at scripts, uh, looking at different uh, reporter scripts for, for stories that are going to be in the noon show uh, and discuss the editorial direction of, of the noon. So the first show uh, with my producer. And then essentially from there, we're getting to makeup quick, uh, fix my hair as quick as I can. And then I'm on air for noon. And then right after noon's done uh, at 1230, grab a quick bite uh, and then get back at it because we have a 130 uh, editorial meeting where we discuss the stories for 5:30. Then um, any number of things. I mean, it could be it could be you know men mentoring someone uh, either internally or externally, or uh, looking at some some material uh, to give feedback to someone else, uh, and then working on stories of my own. You know, I have so many long-term projects that I'm working on, uh, so lots of balls up in the air in that realm. And then more meetings, <laughs> different things, and then the 
the show, we have a final um, get back in for a touch up, final uh, call at or final sorry meeting at four o'clock before our newscast. Just making sure our lineups, you know, airtight, exactly what we want, where we want it in the show, in our rundown. Um, also writing content for online, and then five thirty comes and, and we're we're on. So it, it goes by really really fast. Uh, it, that's definitely one thing that I love about my job. Yeah. I'm never bored. That's great. All right. So for the most part, you're covering hard news. So that tends to be a bit more serious, but can you tell us about any funny or awkward moments you've had doing live TV these years? Oh, there's been several. Actually, one uh, happened uh, when I was pregnant for the first time when I I forgot my name <laughs> while I was on television. Uh, I had to pause because I didn't remember it. I had baby brain. So that definitely happened uh, on the morning show. Uh, then there was the time where I was covering TIFF and interviewing um, Will Ferrell. And uh, my dress ripped in the middle of the interview, the seam right Ooh. at the back. And I'm standing in front of the comedian and I thought this guy is 100% going to use this as part of a shtick. He's going to make fun of me, but he was just such a gentleman and uh, didn't and totally notice it because it was very obvious because uh, yeah. it was live. And then afterwards was kind to ask. It was uh, ask somebody at a hotel nearby to help me get a sewing kit and fix myself <laughs> up. <laughs> very embarrassing, but I was very thankful he didn't uh, call it out on air. Oh, that's a great story. Now, I follow a lot of Canadian TV women on social media, and it seems like a supportive group. It seems like people like and comment on each other's posts. And I've noticed even when people are on competing shows or competing networks, is, has this been your experience, women helping women in the business? Yes and no. So I think there are some incredible women. I, I, I think, you know what? I think most of the women that you see are amazing. And for me, it is definitely genuine. Like when you see people commenting on my post or me commenting on their posts, I feel like it's it's 100% genuine. Um, and I think we really we really help each other rise because I think we all know what it was like to get to our positions. And uh, I certainly find a, a win when someone else has a win, especially somebody that I started off at started off with. But I'm I can't I would lie if I told you that it was it was all it's always been like that. There have been many times in my career where there's been a lot of competition from other women. Um, where I remember one one show I was working on where a woman was uh, you know essentially mean girling me um, oh. and trying to exclude me yeah as a as a reporter and it was it was out of you know fierce competition and, and it was kind of some of it was I would say even you know not taken like maybe it was it was this competition that was this this culture where it was like okay well if these people are competing there maybe they're gonna work harder you know and they're mm. gonna get get things done this was years right. ago yeah. but I had to, I spoke to another female mentor who said to me you know Farah you love what you do. You're good at what you do. Just focus on the work. And that was truly the best advice I could ever get. And that's exactly what I did. I tuned everything out, focused on the work. And I found that that was the best strategy for me going forward. And I've always kept that in the back of my mind. But when you're asking about social media, I think that for me, I don't know about other people, but for me, I think it always comes from a genuine place. Uh, even people who comment on my things and, and, you know, we like each other's stuff because I, I think we all know what this what the industry was like maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and how grateful we are that it's changed. And it's only changed because we help each other. Mm -hmm. So still talking about your career, in a recent interview for Make Lemonade, you talked about declining a big anchor job in a U.S. market. So how did you make that decision? And do you have any regrets? 
That was such a tough decision. Um, so my husband, uh, he works in the States a lot. He, he, he's in tech, so he's in Silicon Valley all the time and he's back and forth. So uh, this was before we had kids and uh, his company really wanted him to relocate. So they were really pushing us to move. So they had contacts at TV stations there and kind of shot my tape around. And I, I, I reached out to some news directors as well. And uh, eventually um, I was offered actually more than one job there. Um, and one of them was an anchor job uh, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the money was money was a lot better than what I was making. And we were really getting close to signing and, and really moving our lives. But there were a few factors that held me back. Um, I think I hadn't had kids and I wanted to have kids. And I didn't want to raise my children away from my parents mm-hmm. um, and my in-laws. And that was the, probably the biggest factor. The other factor was my mom wasn't, wasn't well at that time. So I didn't want to be away from her. And, and then I just couldn't leave the city where I loved. And, and I thought about what success meant to me. And to me, it was having a family. Like that was a, almost a bigger success. Yeah, it was, it is a bigger success to me than, than what I do. I mean, being a mom is something I've always wanted to do. So for me, it was raising my family, my kids around family. That was a huge measure for me. We made right. it work. Good. I'm glad it all worked out for you. <laughs> now, you. where would you like to see your career go in the future? Do you have any further aspirations? I, I would like to do more international, national and international reporting. That's something that I haven't done as much of. I've done some, but I, I find that it's there's just there's a whole world out there, and I would love to have a front row seat to things that are happening. And I think that one of the the benefits that I've brought to the station is being able to make people care about stories that they normally wouldn't care about. Mm -hmm. And I think we sometimes don't realize as Canadians how grateful we are. And it's not because of anything... Well, for some people, it is for, for something that they did. You know, maybe they immigrated to this country. They worked hard to, to get to Canada. But for me, I was born here and I won the lottery. I could have been born anywhere, right? Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's luck. It's not anything I did. I didn't earn that. I didn't, there's nothing like that. And I, I think people sometimes forget that, that they, we didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, we just came out of the right womb at the right time at the, in the right place, right? Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think people seeing what's happening in other parts of the world and what their world, what, what it would look like, I think that would be really beneficial. And I think I can really do that by, by doing some international reporting. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd like to see my, my career go. Great. Now, I was excited to see that you recently gave a TED Talk and I wish that I had, had been able to be there, but I can't wait to watch it online when it's available. So tell me, how did that come about and what did you speak about? Uh, there were the, the TEDx Don Mills, uh, the the organization contacted me and Don Mills is probably the most uh, multicultural area and the most diverse city and arguably the most welcoming uh, country in the world. And that's exactly how I started my TED talk. And that's what really drove me to, to do the TEDx talk here in Don Mills. Um, and the talk is, is about intellectual humility. Mm-hmm. It's about how we are so divided right now that when we come to the table, we're not really listening to each other. We're just listening to formulate an answer in our head to be able to, you know, object to what somebody's saying or to, you know, refute, right? We're not, are we really listening to understand? And I think we have to come to conversations through intellectual humility where we we're like, we're not all right. And that's okay. And that's what we do as journalists every day. I mean, we're, we're don't know it alls. And we know that, you know, we have, we have to become experts on a story every single day. Um, so I, I talked about using journalistic principles in everyday conversations to help us maybe understand each other a bit better. That sounds fascinating. 
even just in, in, in our, but even in our everyday conversations, just with, with, you know, with all the people that we deal with to be able to apply yeah. that. Okay. Can't wait to watch. Thank you. So you've said before that you face some backlash for being a Muslim woman on TV. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. I mean, it was, I think it's being Muslim and, and people looking at me and thinking, and, and, and again, such a little tiny little minority, mostly people who are, you know, trolls or people who are looking for a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking that, you know, you're not Canadian enough, right? Or uh, you're Muslim, so you're the one who's causing problems, or your faith is causing problems. I'm pretty religious. I'm an Ismaili Muslim. I'm very proud of, of uh, where I came from. Um, and I'm, I'm very open about being religious, which I know a lot of people, uh, especially in my field, are not. Um, but I think that... Uh, I think that it's it's such a small, tiny fraction, but it does it does have an impact on me. There was a, a person recently who was convinced that my husband was part of ISIS, and oh, you know had yeah new information about him, had looked him up, and that just hit me to its core, my core, because I just thought uh, you have no idea what you're talking about. First of all, and second of all, like you're doing research on me, you know, and my family. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. So I think. I, I have gone through maybe some scrutiny than others haven't, but then others, others, I have a, f- a friend who's a, a reporter who wears a hijab and she has it way worse than me. Um, right. So I think that, I think that it's trolls. I recently, for the first time recently, I posted something about someone where I called them out, but generally I just ignore it. And I find for me, that's what works best to not give people a platform um, when they are spewing hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think everybody should have a point of view, but when it's hurting someone else, that's when we have to rethink about that. Well, yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask you next in terms of social media. How do you like to use it? And then also how you handle the negativity. So you kind of just leave it. You don't engage. Yeah, there there was a story on Valentine's Day that just passed that really bothered me because I did a story about a a couple, a a beautiful couple, a Muslim couple, in fact, and they they passed away within a a couple hours of each other, um, you know, uh, in December. And it was just their their love story and how they, you know, how they died together and that kind of thing. They were, they were apart. One was at hospital, one was at home. And somebody wrote about how, well, you should be covering a Canadian couple and and that kind of thing. It just, it just got to me. So I posted it. I don't even know. Maybe I shouldn't have, because my, my real philosophy truly Kate is just to not give people a voice to just stay positive, try to, um, you know, go high as as Michelle Mm -hmm. Obama says. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah. Because I, I just think there's, there's just, there's so much, we, we have so little energy for what we have to go through in the day that I just don't want to give any energy to, to negative things. I really try to stay on the positive side, but I'm not ignorant. Like I don't have blinders on. I know what's going on. I mean, I see it. It's directed at me. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I think that we have to, you know, we have to choose what we spend our energy on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, switching gears a little bit from career more over to family. I know your road to motherhood wasn't, uh, wasn't an easy one. Are you willing to share a little bit about that with listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're the first person I think I, I talked about it to publicly. Um, I had a really difficult first go uh, during my first pregnancy. I was pregnant with twins and uh, at 32, I'm just trying to think of the date. So 20 at 24 weeks, um, we found out that uh, 26 weeks, pardon me, we found out that my uh, one of my sons, uh, who we named Hussein, had passed away. Uh, and uh, I was pregnant with them both. And my first reaction to the doctor was like, okay, let's like, you know, get him out. Let's have a funeral. I mean, it was de- beyond devastating. I couldn't even talk, but I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to 
kind of focus on the positive part of my pregnancy and, and the doctor told me no you have to carry both of them you can't deliver because the other the other's life was in jeopardy right. so for six weeks I carried life and death in my body um, I carried my son who had passed away and my other son Kian who's uh, just about to turn six um, and it was really really difficult um, but I think it was even harder after they were born because I uh, had a severe postpartum hemorrhage where I was in the ICU I almost lost my life and my son was in the NICU because he was at 13 born in 32 weeks and my poor husband had to go between the, the neonatal ICU and the ICU mm-hmm. and um, it was just a really hard go and then even when I got out I mean I had such severe postpartum depression uh, and you know, mother guilt and it just everything. And then in grief, I mean, we had, we had a funeral, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it was, it was just a very, very difficult thing. I'm only finally beginning to understand what I went through. I really want to write about it at some point. I haven't yet, but yeah, it's, yeah, I think it would be a really cathartic experience, but it's just, it's, it was like, it, I didn't realize until I had my second, how, what I had gone through with my first, like, wow how traumatic and how difficult it was. And um, yeah, I was really aware after my second about postpartum and, and, and thankfully I didn't have it, but uh, you know, there's so many mothers who go through so many things and that's another thing about social media. I mean, you look and you think everybody's life is perfect, but I think everybody has their, has their baggage, has their stuff and, and has their journey. Yeah, for sure. And do you talk to the kids about their, their brother that you lost? Yeah, it's a good question. So my, um, my, son yeah we I didn't ever want it to be a surprise for him so he calls Hussein his angel and he always says you know Hussein loved me the most and you know he's with me and he he loves me he's looking after me and then my daughter is like no he loves me too and so they're now kind of starting to talk about him um I don't think they fully get it though that he was actually born you know I don't think they fully understand that but um that'll come in time we haven't taken him to the cemetery where we we think that's a little too early for us anyway um in, in knowing our child that's a little early but um I think think yeah it's it's something that's part of our lives I, I there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him you know it's it was you know people say well you had one and it's like yeah I did have one but it was a whole other person it was a whole other child and my child is this living reminder every day of the child that I lost For sure, it's, yeah. it's been it's been a really it's been a difficult go and grief still comes in waves there's times where I mean I do go to the, the cemetery quite a bit and there's times when it just I can't you know it's hard to function but uh, I can't imagine what other moms go through who lose their children even older. It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's ever an easy time. So your son is six, your daughter is three, is that correct? That's right. That's and what right. did you name her? That's right, my daughter, Maria. And what are they into now? What are their interests and things that they're involved in? So my son is obsessed with hockey, like obsessed. He just started playing this year and uh, he is, uh, he's still, let me mention, he can't stop on skates yet and he skates <laughs> with one foot, but he's actually quite good at shooting and he thinks he's a champion and he just, he loves it. And my uh, my husband is a Habs fan and my son, for some reason, we have no idea how he loves the Winnipeg Jets. He's obsessed mm. with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, which is quite funny. So he's, um, he's really a hockey guy. Uh, and my daughter is, is really, sassy uh spunky she makes me laugh so much she's 
she's into really interesting things. Like she's, she loves pirates. For example, we had a big hmm. pirate birthday party for her. Um, her favorite Disney princess is the beast, like from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. She recently was talking about, um, you know, Jasmine and Aladdin. And she, I said, Oh, so you like Jasmine? She goes, no, no, I don't like Jasmine at all. I like Aladdin. So she has a little crush on Aladdin, I think, or maybe wants to be him. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's really, she just, she really is not everything that's kind of what you normally would think a three-year-old girl's into, she's into the opposite. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat. And I actually really love it. So we all have our highs and lows as moms. And uh, what would you say are your latest hashtag mom fail and hashtag mom win? Oh gosh. Um, today, my daughter, uh, when we were driving, we were talking about uh, homeless people and we were talking about poverty because I, I really talked to them about that a lot. And, and I talked to them about actually the news quite a bit too, maybe more than I should. But uh, my daughter said to me today as we were driving, she said, oh, I have a lot of money in my piggy bank. I want to go, um, you know, I want to give money to poor people. And so I thought that was very sweet. It melted my heart. Um, and yeah, the mom fails. I mean, there's just too many to mention. I'm trying to think of one that specifically sticks out. Like it's, God, I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really failing at potty training at the moment. I think that's probably it. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's school. My daughter is perfectly potty trained and, and at home, it's a, it's a kind of a disaster. So, um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I know a lot of moms struggle with this with their second where it's just, they're your baby. So I think mm-hmm. I'm a little too lenient on her. Um, Try so not to rush right her out of the mom. phases. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm okay yeah. changing the diapers, you know, and that's probably, okay. that's probably not so good uh, for her. But anyway, I think that's, that's a big one. And, yeah. and I think with my son, it's being disciplined. I mean, I think I'm hard, too hard on him sometimes um, because he's the older one. So I'm trying yes. to learn how to, how to balance that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I probably did the same and still do the same. Mm-hmm. So final question before I let you go, do you have a, a This Mom Loves or a favorite thing to share with listeners? Sure. I'm reading uh, Michelle Obama's book, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've really delved deep into that one. I'm not finished it, but it, it also, I mean, it talks about a lot of the things that I talk about, about, you know, being an other and how, and kind of navigating that also na- navigating motherhood and, and being a wife and trying to, trying to do everything. So I really like Michelle, Michelle Obama's book. Uh, one thing, and I, I don't get paid for anything. I don't push products. I'm a journalist, but there's one thing that I've discovered that I really like right now. And it's uh, by that company. Lush, you know, the soap mm-hmm. company. So they have this thing, it's called the King of Skin, and it's a uh, moisturizing bar. And it, uh, you use it in the shower. Right now, everything for me is how to get things done quick. So mm. basically, you shower, you put your soap on, then you use this bar. It's like a soap bar, but it's like moisturizer. So you don't have to moisturize after the shower. So that saves me about five minutes a day, which is quite nice. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's uh, anything that can be done fast. I do. I listen to the daily every day and another podcast, uh, that, that helps me kind of get, um, get up to date with news and in a short period of time. Um, yeah. So, so really anything that has kind of a dual purpose or things that I can do really fast, uh, is, is kind of my jam right now because it's just so hard to get anything done. Right. Nope. That makes perfect sense to me. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for being here to chat with me today, Farah. I will include links for all of, um, for our social media accounts and for global news as well in the show notes at thismumloves.ca so that everyone can, uh, can uh, click on the links and find out more. And I really appreciate being here. Thanks again. Thank you, Kate.
And that is it for episode 20 of This Mom Loves. Thanks again to my special guest, Farhan Asser, for being here. I will have links to uh, all of the important um, information from this episode in the show notes. So that will be at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts, and you'll want to click on episode 20. If you do want to check out the blog, there's some popular posts lately at thismomloves.ca. For example, a Q&A with Courtney Wilson from Masters of Flip. She and her husband, Dave Wilson, have just published a book called Live Happy, The Best Ways to Make Your House a Home, which is a fantastic book. And I asked Courtney a few questions about it. She talked about the writing process. She talked about social media. She had received some really nasty comments on a post that she shared. And so we talked about how that kind of changed how she dealt with social media after that. We talked about um, one thing that you could do to make your, to improve your home, because that's what she's all about. The book is all about your physical home. So you know how to hang a gallery wall and tips for curtains and that sort of thing. But also a lot of their own information, their um, their breakup and get back together stories from her and her husband, their stalled music careers in Nashville. They had two children and then adopted their third. So a little bit of information about adoption is in there. So we talked about, you know, which section was the hardest to write and why, that sort of thing. And we also talked about being a neat freak because she and I are very similar in many ways. Um, we're the only neat freaks really in our homes trying to uh, to keep keep the chaos down with everybody else who lives with us. So we talked about that and um, and some of her tips for uh, for what to do when you're living with people who don't seem to care about the clutter as much as you do. So that is on the blog as well. And also something really popular right now, I did a review of laser teeth whitening. So a friend and I went to get that done locally, but the information will will apply, I think, um, no matter where you live in terms of what laser teeth whitening is, the steps, how it works, kind of some frequently asked questions. I even show uh, a really lovely up-close photo of the before and after of my stained teeth. <laughs> so you can take a look at that if you're interested too. So again, that's at thismomloves.ca. I would like to thank, as always, my amazing editor, Lucas Wojcicki. I appreciate the work he does to make the podcast sound good every week. And I'd also like to encourage you, if you enjoy the show, if you've been listening every week, then you hear me say this all the time, so I'm sorry to keep repeating it, but it means so much if you can rate or review the show wherever you listen. So for example, if you listen in Apple Podcasts, or a lot of people still call it iTunes, um, there's a spot where you can just give it a number of stars, even if that's all you do. Even if you just click on how many stars you want to give it, it really helps because then when people go searching for new podcasts to listen to, they can see, oh, a large number of people have rated this podcast and here's what it averages out to and it means a lot or even if all you can do is just let a friend know oh I just found this great podcast it's called this mom loves check it out that would be appreciated as well anything to help other people find the show really means a lot to me so I hope you will be back with me next week I've got another great guest lined up that you're not going to want to miss and in the meantime thanks again for listening and have a great week